Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 152. Today's topic is DSA's Green New Deal Part 6. We'll be talking about DSA's Green New Deal in a few minutes, but first, here's what the Climate Report is all about. It cannot be emphasized too often or too strongly that we have multiple urgent situations to deal with. If we are to survive, we need to correct climate change. We need to renounce war, especially nuclear weapons, but conventional weapons also. If we are to survive, we need to reverse the decline of biological diversity. If we are to survive, we need to preserve our supplies of fresh water instead of squandering them. And if we are to survive, we need to convert to local organic agriculture for most of our food needs instead of this rapacious, dysfunctional, agribusiness-based food system that only serves the needs of a very, very few self-interested billionaires and corporations. Just on the subject of climate change, we have known for over 150 years that carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas, that when it gets light from the sun, it takes that light and converts it into a little bit of heat. Before the Industrial Revolution, we had 280 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, Now we have over 400 and headed rapidly to 500 parts per million. We already have 1 degree or 1.1 degrees Celsius of additional temperature in the atmosphere. The catastrophic effects of climate change are not in the future. They are in the present and the past. We have catastrophic effects on our glaciers and ice caps, which affects the fresh water that is or is not available to people and to ecosystems. We have catastrophic effects on the ocean, on the coral reefs. We have acidification of the oceans. We have warming of the oceans. We have record droughts, record heat waves. We have record forest fires. And yet we are being led by a very corrupt, very myopic group of politicians and business leaders, politicians who are on the take, and business leaders who use corrupt influence to guide our government. The solution to this problem is not to complain, but to educate, organize, and agitate. Those are the three pillars of activism, educate, organize, and agitate. And that's what the Climate Report is all about. This program is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. And if you enjoy this uh, content, you can find more at theclimatereport.net. Please email info at theclimatereport.net. If you have any questions or comments on this content. Also, if you want to get involved in activism in the city of Louisville, I may be able to help, so email me.
This is the sixth episode in a series in which we are going through the Green New Deal, the DSA's version of it. So DSA is Democratic Socialists of America. It's one of the more dynamic groups on the American left. I am a member of the Louisville chapter. And we're reading through the Green New Deal, which they adopted in February of this year. And every different version or draft of the Green New Deal has a different purpose. The purpose of this one is to say, we are the DSA and here are the standards that need to be met in order for us to approve of any legislation. In other words, don't call it a Green New Deal and then water it down and expect us to get excited about it. This Green New Deal has seven principles, and we're going to start on number one. Number one is decarbonize the economy fully by 2030. Decarbonize the economy fully by 2030. So think about what that looks like. That means no internal combustion engines on the road. To decarbonize the economy fully by 2030, we're going to have to completely transition from an agribusiness-based food system to a, a food system based on local organic farms. We're going to have to just say no to the military. We spend a trillion dollars a year on the military, which does nothing as an institution but bring about death and destruction. It has nothing to do with defense. We need to severely limit luxury travel insofar as luxury travel involves flying. Now, some people, uh, some, you know, people who are advocating a Green New Deal back off when people talk about grounding planes. Well, I don't. Uh, We're not living in a world where if you want to fly, it's your business. If you fly, that has an impact on other people. So first we eliminate military planes uh, because that is completely destructive. We don't need 800 military bases around the world. We need none. We need no foreign military bases. And then you eliminate uh, transcontinental air travel like from New York to L.A. We need to have high-speed trains to, to replace air travel. There's no reason to fly from Louisville to Chicago or Louisville to Atlanta or Louisville to Kansas City or Louisville to Dallas or Louisville to Houston. We need trains for that. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying, do we have a problem or not? Is the planet going to be habitable or not based on the impulsivity and the luxury uh, of a very, very few? For that matter, for the 1% to travel a lot means the 99% can't travel nearly as much. We need a system that empowers the poor and the middle class to travel. We can do that through high-speed electric trains that are powered by solar power. In other words, we can do this, and for most people, for 99% of people, it's going to be a better world. It's just that the 1% have to give up some power, a lot of power. They have to give up a lot of power, 
and they have to give up a lot of, of luxury and they need to stop doing everything on impulse as if it's their right. Continuing to read, we need to set a more ambitious time frame than the IPCC, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, 1.5 degrees Celsius pathways suggest. Because, so why? So why do we need to be more ambitious than the, the 1.5 degrees Celsius target? So a little bit, a bit of background on the 1.5 degrees Celsius. Anything beyond 2 degrees Celsius is, by all accounts, you know, even more catastrophic than what we've got going on now. And if we aim at 1.5, we will probably overshoot 1.5. We're doing nothing. The Trump administration is doing nothing. The Democratic leadership in Congress can't be bothered. The Democratic leadership in Congress is in the pockets of the big banks and the oil companies, all the Fortune 500 and the transnational restaurant corporations and the transnational agribusiness corporations. The Democrats in Congress are as much in the pockets of these people as the Republicans are. And as of now, they are doing nothing. So the DSA is saying we need to be more ambitious than that. In fact, we need to be more ambitious than the goals that came out of the Paris Agreement of 2015. And here are the reasons why we need to be more ambitious than the 1.5 degrees Celsius target. Because the United States has a histor is, is historically responsible for carbon pollution. That's one reason. The other countries of the world, especially the global south, that are bearing the brunt of the catastrophic effects of climate change, they did not produce the carbon. How fair is it for the people who produce the carbon to have no responsibility for the people who are suffering the worst effects? Another reason why we need to be more ambitious than the 1.5 degrees Celsius goal is because highly industrialized societies have the greatest capacity to rapidly reduce emissions and afford the shift from endless fossil-fueled growth to regenerative systems. And because faster decarbonization will give us the greatest chance of avoiding more catastrophic climate tipping points. So they're saying that the industrialized societies have the greatest capacity to convert to power generated through wind and solar and have the greatest capacity to convert to a state-of-the-art energy grid and have the greatest capacity to convert to mass transit and have the greatest capacity to convert from agribusiness to local organic farming. Actually, on that last one, the smaller countries of the world, especially in the global south, have the capacity to convert to local organic farming if we would leave them the heck alone. The main thing the United States needs to do in the world is to stop meddling in other countries' affairs, stop dominating other countries, stop bombing countries that dare to be independent, stop imposing sanctions on countries that dare to be independent, stop imposing our will on other countries via NAFTA and similar trade 
agreements, which have nothing to do with trade. They have everything to do with empire. Another thing it says here is that we need to be more ambitious than the 1.5 degrees Celsius goals because we can thereby avoid, avoid some of the more catastrophic tipping points. So a tipping point, for example, might be a set of circumstances that causes the West that causes big glaciers to fall into the ocean, thus increasing sea level. Another catastrophic tipping point might be a set of circumstances whereby a bunch of methane is released into the atmosphere because the methane that was heretofore frozen in the Arctic tundra gets released. So methane is an organic compound it is a severe greenhouse gas and currently there's a lot of methane locked in underneath the earth's surface because it's frozen but if it thaws the methane won't be locked in anymore continuing to read we must mobilize all carbon intensive sectors of the economy to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions at the source and to scale up processes that safely and naturally draw down and remove excess carbon from the atmosphere. So removing emissions from the source means we replace planes with trains, except those planes that are absolutely essential. The people who feel they need to, to jet everywhere can just get over it. The companies that feel like they need to fly their people everywhere can just get over it. People who feel entitled to their internal combustion engines can just get over it. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm saying we live on a planet where you can't just do anything and everything you impulsively want to do and pretend that that has no impact on other people because it does. And I'm not saying, you know, if I needed to fly somewhere under our current system, you know, we can do some of that. I'm not putting a guilt trip on the consumer. The consumer does not need to be guilt tripped. The consumer is not the problem here. The problem is a system that is being perpetuated by a few myopic, greedy people. Item number two of the seven principles of the Green New Deal DSA version. So item number two says we're going to democratize control over major energy systems and resources. So things like oil companies are going to be democratically controlled. They're going to be nationalized. They are out of control. They are a threat to our, they're a true threat to our national security as opposed to these fake phony threats to our national security that we've been hearing about all these years. Are terrorists a threat to our national security? Technically, yes, but in the scale of things, 40,000 people die per year because they don't have health insurance. That's in the United States. How many people die every year because of starvation and because of preventable disease? We can talk about real 
threats or we can talk about fake threats. Let's talk about real threats, not fake threats. So in the sense of talking about real threats, fossil fuel producers are a real threat. They need to be nationalized so that they're not just a loose cannon rolling around the deck, so to speak. We're going to nationalize fossil fuel producers to phase them out as quickly as necessary. No new fossil fuel projects can be authorized or built. No new pipelines. No new drilling. No fracking. Read my lips. No new fossil fuel projects. Continuing to read. Social, we need to socialize fossil-dependent industries so that they can be scaled back or transformed to fossil-free processes. That includes not only the fossil fuel companies, but the big agribusiness companies. If agriculture is important to national security, then agriculture can be nationalized. And then that land can be allocated. It's called land reform. When you take land and you give it away to people who can use it, the big agribusiness companies are a threat to our national security because they are, for one thing, killing off pollinators. They are making war on the biological diversity of the planet. They are spraying their crops with neurotoxins that are a threat to wildlife and a threat to human health. The big agribit. Now, this is me talking. This is not DSA. I'm not speaking for DSA. Um, I'm just giving my spin on, I mean, I'm giving my interpretation of these issues. Continuing to read, we need to establish public ownership of utilities and the electric grid and support energy cooperatives and community solar and wind projects for democratic control of the shift to 100% renewable energy. So utilities need to be publicly owned. There are too many private businesses that are supposed to be managing assets in the public interest, but by definition, a public, I mean, by definition, a private corporation does not manage assets in the public interest. PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, from my understanding, caused the wildfires in California because of years and years of neglect. PG&E was just a highly corrupt company. They need to be uh, nationalized and turned over to the residents of the area that they're supposed to serve. Everything I've read about PG&E indicates that it is not responsible and it is not capable of managing the assets that it owns. Similarly, Louisville Gas and Electric needs to be turned over to the people that it is supposed to be serving. That way, if there are profits, those profits can be reinvested, and also their profits can be invested in renewable energy instead of burning coal, coal, and more coal. And when LG&E is owned by the people that it's supposed to serve, then it will convert, 
it will facilitate the process of converting as quickly as possible to solar energy. Continuing to read, we need to shift from monoculture and factory farms to diversified agroecology. I'm going to read that again. We need to shift from monoculture and factory farms to diversified agroecology. So monoculture and factory farms are terrible for the environment, terrible for the water, terrible for the pollinators, terrible for the bees, butterflies, and birds that, that need to co-inhabit these spaces. So we need to shift from agribusiness, monoculture, and factory farms to diversified agroecology. So agroecology is like farming. It's ecologically friendly farming. Agroecology includes trees. Agroecology, you're not plowing up the land every year. In agroecology, you're not spraying everything with pesticides that are neurotoxins. You're, with agroecology, you're not using fossil fuel-based fertilizers that can also be used to make explosives. Continuing to read, we need to expand municipal and state public banks, finance community land trusts, and end water privatization. So expand municipal and state banks and thereby disempower the big banks. Big banks are rapacious, big banks are parasitic, big banks caused the economy to crash in 2008. On a net basis, they do not provide a benefit to society. Big banks are not a benefit to society. Wall Street is not a benefit to society. So we need to, I mean, for one thing, we need to... We need to nationalize any bank that, that, that goes under. We don't need to give it back, bail it out, and then give it back to the same class of people that ruined the bank and the economy to begin with. And part of that is public banks. So North Dakota is about the only place in the union that has a public bank. They like their public banks, and they like their public bank, and they have resisted one attempt after another on the part of commercial banks to have the laws changed. Recently, Los Angeles was going to vote to get a public bank that would serve the public interest. It was voted down, but it came close. And the only reason it was voted down is because the big banks are going to put everything they've got into preventing publicly owned banks, but publicly owned banks serve the public and they should be promoted and expanded. It also says here that we should finance community land trusts. I'll have to do a little more research on land trusts. I can imagine what they are, but don't know the specifics. But for example, here's something that could be a land trust. You know, let's say you have apartment buildings and in, instead of letting those par apartment buildings be bought up by absentee investors, let the community buy that and hold it in trust 
for the benefit of the community. And this would prevent rents from going out of sight. So if you have enough apartment buildings owned by community land trusts, then commercial apartment buildings would not be so quick to raise their rents. Another thing it says here is end water privatization. So, you know, water, municipal water systems should not be privatized, nor should agribusiness be allowed to suck up all the water out of the ground for crop, for, for monoculture crops. Nor should Nestle be allowed to suck up water out of the ground, put it in bottles, and ship it somewhere. Private interests should not be allowed to ruin the water supply or to take the water supply and sell it for profit. Continuing to read, we will reinvest in and expand national parks, vastly expand national forests, grasslands, and wildlife preserves to enable natural carbon capture and preserve public lands for future generations, as opposed to what's going on now, which is allowing oil companies and coal companies and fracking companies to come in and just ruin public lands for profit, or letting public lands be ravaged for their timber by private companies who pay a pittance for the right to take public resources. We will encourage replacement, continuing to read, we will encourage replacement of individually owned vehicles and short-haul air travel with expanded regional and high-speed electric rail, free public transit, shared vehicles, bicycles, and other non-fossil fuel modes of transportation in ways that benefit disadvantaged communities. So I like the way it says we're going to replace short-haul air transit, short-haul air travel with expanded regional and high-speed electric rail. So that's probably a little more moderate than what I was saying when I said, you know, ground all planes except for transcontinental flights. We don't need to fly from New York to L.A. Well, maybe there does need to be some a longer range flight like that, but we shouldn't be flying Louisville to Chicago or Chicago to New York. And even when it comes to the trend, the long range air travel, that needs to be done in such a way that the price of the ticket truly reflects the cost to society. No time to go into this, but fossil fuels are subsidized to the tune of $5 trillion per year worldwide. That's not direct out-of-pocket subsidies, but it includes externalities like health costs and deforestation and water pollution. If you add it all up, $5 trillion per year. How many companies would no longer be profitable if they had to pay their portion of that $5 trillion per year. That's, 
One of the most obvious things that's wrong with our system, call it what you want to, capitalist, call it crony capitalism, I don't care what you call it, but one of the things that most obvious things that's wrong with our system is that companies are allowed to be profitable even if they would not be profitable if they paid the true cost of what they do. So I've got about less than a minute left. Let me leave you with a thought. So here's the thing. We have the opportunity to create a whole new world, but the opponents of the Green New Deal are only going to focus on the costs. As if the, as if the old raw deal does not have cost, but the old raw deal is a very expensive old raw deal. We cannot afford this old rotten system for another minute. It needs to be changed like yesterday. And that's all I have to say about that. Thank you for joining me. Hope you'll come back next time. Have a nice day.